Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. The NBA is going wild with trades, and I expect that kind of day on Wesson Walker from 12 to 3. We appreciate you joining us in the midday. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We want to hear all of your trade thoughts, your opinions, on the text line, 704-570-9610. The number is 704-570-9610. The Charlotte Hornets already made a trade. The Charlotte Hornets are one of the teams with the spotlight on them during this deadline because they're massive sellers. They've already traded one guy, at least reportedly. Now, it does seem like there has to be another contract in the works to make this thing go. But Gordon Hayward is now a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder and Trey Mann, Davis Abertans. Both of those guys are coming back to Charlotte in return, and so that's the trade we've seen so far. I do think, according to Bobby Marks, there does need to be another contract included to make the money right. You can't just trade anybody for anybody. So another contract, keep an eye out for that. We'll keep letting you know because we have five NBA trade deadline editions of the Breaking News Soundbites for today's show because we had so much fun last year doing this show. I mean, you can't beat it. Trade deadlines in any sport is always fun, even sports that you may be a novice fan to. I mean, I enjoy the baseball trade deadline. Hell, I always like to see guys changing places, thinking about how they're going to look at their new uniforms and things of that nature. That's always cool. And for the NBA, uh, you know, with it being before the All-Star break, man, you get to see these deals and – See who's going to end up coming out on the other side of this thing, making the correct moves to get them where they need to be. All right. We already have people asking questions on the text line. Feel free to do so. We can answer a lot of your trade deadline questions. We'll talk about some of the other trades that are coming up here. And then we have all the breaking news sounders. Fiddy is going to be a very busy man behind the ones and twos today. We have five different sounders. Eric Collins edition. Mike Breen edition. It is specifically tailored for the NBA trade deadline on top of us talking about everything else going on here in the Queen City. Did you put your trade deadline shoes on today, Fiddy? Like, are you ready to go with all that is asked for you on this type of day? No, because I was afraid that I myself could be traded for Shroppy. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> Look, man, it's it's, it's consideration. It's a polarizing contract. Some people think you're a great contract. Some people think that it would be better suited just for a different environment, right? Hey, you need a new culture. You need a new environment. <laughs> I'm not doing it, okay? You're our problem if people think you're a problem. shroppy has got to wait his turn. But we're keeping you. We're not trading you at all. And because of that, I don't even know if Shroppy has a bus license and Fiddy does. Who's going to yeah. drive the bus? Yeah. I, we, we need a bus driver. Go ahead, pull up to the scene. Fiddy, open up the doors. Let's get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! photography with a great point off the rip he said remember last year on nba trade deadline day twitter was not working and everybody was running around like their hair was on fire 
No Woj updates. No Shams updates. We couldn't even go to Michael Scotto. We couldn't even go to Tier C of NBA Insiders. What's happening? Now, I hope, at least I hope, that's not going to happen here today. I mentioned the trade here, Wes. Gordon Tra- uh, Gordon Trayward. That's exactly what we're Trayward. <laughs> that's what he is. Gordon Hayward goes to Oklahoma City. He gets traded for Trey Mann. Trade Mann. And Davis Bertans. What do you think about the move? Are you surprised to see Gordon moving at the deadline? Uh, I'm not. Dis- I'm not surprised to see him moving at all. But I mean, just you know, the parts that are coming back. I can't act like I'm, you know, NBA wizard and I know that who these guys are. I mean, it doesn't seem like it seems like it's just a move. It seems like a salary dump by the Hornets and to bring in a couple of guys who. We'll probably get some playing time, especially because of the way the Hornets are injury prone and uh, they'll get some minutes. And so the Hornets will get to see what they have and see if they'll be a part of the future. I like Trey Mann. This is somebody that you buy low on. He wasn't getting any minutes for Oklahoma City. He only that's had what a lot of people have been saying. Only 13 games for him, less than 10 minutes a pop every single time he went out there on the court. He's shooting well from three this year, but it's an outlier. He didn't really shoot. Well, he did a little bit his rookie season, not very well. Last year in his second season, only 23 years old and very talented player. In fact, it was his birthday just five days ago. Happy belated, Trey Mann. Welcome to Charlotte. So I, I do like getting Trey Mann back. And plus, this team desperately needs some guard depth. It, it's been the way. It's been that way for like what ten years now. <laughs> They've needed guard depth. Yeah. I like bringing in somebody young but also talented, and he can run some point. So we'll see what he can do. Davies Bertans, I think the big thing about him, very good shooter, making a decent amount of money. But if you see his contract, it's only partially guaranteed. You have an early termination option. And so in January of 2025, you could get off of his contract and it only starts at $5 million next season. And so if you decide to keep him on the roster, then that will go back to, I believe, $16 mil. But that's not the case at the beginning. So you have a lot of flexibility. You're not taking long-term money trading Gordon Hayward and the Thunder. I think it is a good trade for them. Like if they're not playing Bertans, if they're not, tra- if they're not playing trade man, and then you have Gordon Hayward as a vet coming over to a young basketball team that you don't have to put a ton of mileage on, and that way that's about as healthy as he can be. I really like this for the Thunder, and I like it well enough for the Hornets to get something back in return rather than lose them for nothing. Yeah, and I mean, I can see that as well, and I'm just excited about the day because I, I want to see some big deals. I mean, a lot of the deals that have happened, they've been somewhat – uh, you know, a couple of names here and there. I feel like the Knicks have been very aggressive, but I'm ready to see those blockbuster deals. And then you got to be, I guess, a little excited as a Hornets fan to see them finally doing something because that's the big thing. That's been the yep. consensus with most Hornets fans is that they're just doing something. They're looking like they're making some type of moves for the future. It does. And it's even if it's not a big one, it's at least something that Mitch Kupchak and the Charlotte Hornets have decided to do. Uh, We can read some of these texts on your opinion of the Gordon Hayward trade and some of the other reports about the Charlotte Hornets. 610 says, love the move. Get the money off the books. He doesn't fit the roster anymore. Great move. Biscuits and Gravy said, I dubbed him Splash Gordon. Now he's been slashed Gordon. Thanks for the hope of what he once was. Biscuits and Gravy coming in with a strong text. TC said Hornets traded Gordon for players of the pulse. That's also true. Big Cat Dan, he's singing na, 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 na. Hey, hey, hey. Goodbye. Injury prone Gordon. That's Big Cat Dan's text. And I think that's how people feel. 
Oh, yeah, man. I mean, people got tired of it from the jump. You know, when he came in, a lot of people thought he was overpaid. And once he came here, you, you just couldn't expect him to stay healthy for long periods of time. He played for a couple of weeks, gone for a week. Play, come back, play for a couple more weeks, gone for a month. I mean, that was the thing with Gordon Hayward when he did play. I mean, I liked his game offensively, what he brought to the team. But he was also a guy that I blamed a lot for some of the culture, too, because I felt like that – he was the vet, the elder statesman on the team, and he could have done more from a leadership perspective. And, you know, you could look at Gordon Haywood and was like, man, those guys aren't listening to him. Like, let's just keep it real. But uh, he's gone now, and, yeah, so the Gordon Haywood era is over in the Queen City. It, just one thing about Gordon Haywood's time in Charlotte, and then we can move on to what Miles Bridges' report is right now. Gordon signs that deal, remember, right I think it was after the LaMelo draft. Because remember, COVID had screwed everything up. The timing of it was all haywire. And LaMelo was drafted later than what you usually have the NBA draft. And so you're drafted. And then you're playing in the regular season like a month and a half after you are selected to a basketball team. And so they also signed Gordon Hayward in free agency. And it felt like they were trying to help LaMelo as much as they could by bringing a veteran that could be malleable. You plug him into any system and he can work. He can be the connector. He can help you in half court. He can just be a shooter and you, whatever you ask of him, he can help you do. Except, oh yeah, he's only playing 50 games a season. And in fact, 50 was the most that he played for the Charlotte Hornets in one particular season. He was good when he was out there on the court. Good basketball player. Just couldn't depend on him whatsoever. I didn't like the move when it happened because I thought that kind of money was going towards a player that was injury prone, that was going to be on the other side of 30, not too long after he signed that deal. And then even if you brought him here, I didn't expect the winning to go up. He was a part of a team that did finish above 500, but then get blown out in the play-in game. That's the legacy for a lot of these guys right now. And so Gordon Hayward moves on. It's weird. Feel like he was a good player, but he was injured way too often. We're about to transition eras here in Charlotte. You get Trey Mann, Davis Bertans. You don't take any more money on the books. So be it. We'll see you down the road. That's how it feels These are like. some of those little moves that, you know, are, are, are franchise builders where sometimes the fans look at them and don't necessarily see what the point of them is on the surface. And then down the line, like you said, not taking on that salary, getting that big salary off the books. Those things can come back and help you in the long run. All right, so we've seen a trade already with Gordon Hayward going to Oklahoma City. We're not going to see a trade with Miles Bridges. Brian Windhorst tweeted out just a couple of hours ago, Miles Bridges has decided he will not approve any trades and he will remain with the Charlotte Hornets the rest of the season. Agent Rich Paul tells ESPN Bridges will be an unrestricted free agent this summer and the Hornets will retain his bird rights. So if you'll remember, after he missed 82 games and 10 afterwards because he was arrested for felony domestic violence and then eventually pled no contest, Miles Bridges eventually signed the qualifying offer with the Hornets because no other team was going to give him a long-term contract. So when he agreed to the qualifying offer, that gave Miles Bridges power to veto any trade he wanted to. One year left, or one year with the team, and then he was going to hit unrestricted free agency, and you couldn't even really trade him unless he wanted you to trade him. That's the kind of leverage that the Hornets are working with, or lack thereof. So now, with the Sun showing interest, with Dallas reportedly showing interest in Miles Bridges as well, Rich Paul decided, all right, enough of this funny business. Miles scores back-to-back 40-point games. Crazy. 
<laughs> and after that, it looks like the Hornets just might try to resign him once he hits unrestricted free agency. And Miles would veto any trade the Hornets would agree to anyway. What do you make of the news on Miles? I mean, it's just kind of par for the course in the Queen City. You guys know how I talk about Queen City magic, man. And it's like, you know, Miles, yeah, he's been playing well, but we've expressed how we felt about him on this show a couple of occasions. And so I'm not thrilled about it. And I wish that he would move on or the Hornets would find a way to move him along. And so hopefully you just... At this point, if he's going to be here, you just hope that he is a model citizen for the rest of his time here in Charlotte and, you know, kind of makes amends for those things and just continues to play how he's been playing back-to-back 40-point games. It's nothing to sneeze at, but, you know, a a little disappointing on my part. If you look at Miles Bridges, this is a situation where he might... We got our first trade update. What you got here, Fitty? Well, it's actually just more of an update on the trade with Hay- with Gordon Hayward oh. to the Hornets. You got Bertans, you got Man, and you got a name that Walker. I'm afraid to try to pronounce. Okay. <laughs> That's. <laughs> <laughs> what you got? Just try your best, Fitty. Vasilili Micic. Mitchich? Okay. Uh, I need to go ahead and look this up, but we're off and rolling with the trade updates. Do you Just, not know this name either? I, I cannot make it out. This is like we're playing Mad Gab on WFNZ right All now. All right. It is spelled V-A-S-I-L-I-J-E. Looks like Vasily Mitchich. Okay. Vasily Mitchich. Okay. So I don't and know. And draft compensation is also coming back to Charlotte. All right. So I think this is. Okay. That's good. So the draft compensation is the thing that we care about. Them second round draft picks, yeah, baby. Yeah, I would say probably sounds Which like is second what you round picks. Uh, second round draft pick is just as valuable as a first round draft pick. I thought it was fine. That's not, that was not bad. That, that was bad. Much better. That was better. Um, the draft compensation is what I think people were wanting in the Gordon Hayward trade. I thought it was fine enough with Trey Mann coming back and only bringing back Bertans. But I did kind of want some second-round pick attached to it. And it does look like draft compensation is coming back. And so that's a decent-sized deal. Like, at, at least getting some draft compensation. And then you can use this to sweeten deals on other trades you might be looking to make. You can use those second-round picks to move up in the draft if you fall in love with a guy. We've seen the Hornets do that quite a bit. Mitch Kupchak getting his second-round picks in one last time before he is let go as the general manager of this squad. So we'll see what else happens. Um, The last thing I'll say about Miles Bridges, though, JJ said, I hate to say it, but smart move by Miles Bridges. Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, they're gone. He's about to get buckets, and then he's going to drive up the price of his next contract. Yeah, that might be true. Yeah. I don't know who's going to pay him. I don't know if it's going to be the Hornets. They have his bird rights. I don't know if it's going to be another team. What I'm worried about is if we're really going to change sceneries and eras of this team, then should we be looking to keep more players or get rid of as many players as we can while keeping the younger core? I mean, we've seen what LaMelo and Miles can do. Not no, not necessarily with Brandon Miller. So that's something that changes the calculus just a little bit on all of this. But like, if at some point, are you just going to bring back as many players as you can? You got rid of Terry Rozier. You got rid of Gordon Hayward. Okay, big time pieces that are gone, but we've already seen them play a lot without Gordon Hayward. If we're going to change this thing, that I just would really like to change it, unless Brandon Miller, LaMelo Ball, Mark Williams, Nick Smith Jr., and some of the younger guys are on the trading block, then I'm not with it. But everybody else, yeah, man. And by the way, like that includes everybody except for the four that I just named. I just would like to see a big change if you are really going to change eras. 
But we'll see how it goes with this Miles Bridges thing. You already gave your thoughts on it. We'll continue to give our thoughts on it as we go on on Wesson Walker. Let's transition. Let's talk some Carolina Panthers. We continue the position preview series. We're discussing the wide receiver position on the other side of the break. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Reminding you also to join. I'm going to do third person again. Fitty loves it. I do it just for you, buddy. Join Walker and Fitty for the Michelob Ultra Charlotte Hornets watch party at Graham Street Pub and Patio in Uptown Charlotte this Friday, February 9th at 7 p.m. You can hang out with Michelob Ultra and Walker and Fitty. Watch the Hornets face the Milwaukee Bucks. Walker and Fitty will have giveaways plus your chance to win tickets to a future Hornets home game. We had a bunch of those opportunities the last time we went to Graham Street Pub. So big thanks to Michelob Ultra for having us out there once more. A big thanks to Graham Street Pub and Patio. And a big thanks to you for hanging out with us as well. Lots of text on the text line, 704-570-9610. Feel free to give us your NBA trade deadline opinions, thoughts. You can share them right there, 704-570-9610. Let's transition to the Carolina Panthers, though, here, Wes, because we've been doing the position preview series. We went to the quarterback position, talked about Bryce Young, Andy Dalton a little bit, just a little bit. Then we went to the running backs yesterday. It's time now to discuss the wide receivers, which is going to be a huge talking point all offseason long. Are you going to use that 33 overall selection on a wide receiver? Are you going to use it on an offensive lineman or a wide receiver? I think those are the two positions people are looking at first and foremost. And then you go to free agency. A lot of people are going to have T. Higgins circled. Are we bringing back Mike Evans? Wes, I think that was the number one most asked question when they brought in Dave Canales as head coach. And then it we all came to know that he was just bringing the entire Tampa Bay staff offensively with him. And so we'll see. When we look back at what happened last year, I was way wrong on DJ Chark. Thought he was going to help. Didn't think he was going to be a pro bowler, but thought he was really going to help. And remember, they had that rapport in training camp and then it just wasn't there once we hit the regular season. Bryce Young, DJ Chark, they couldn't hook up for anything. Adam Thielen, he showed out, and I was wrong on Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen, he was the guy that was the possession receiver and the only one that you could depend on in the passing game. Only one that you could just rely on to produce in that aspect. Mingo, I think underwhelmed. It wasn't like the worst rookie season ever, but we certainly thought it was going to be better than what it was. What went so wrong last year when you look at it, Wes? 
Well, uh, for one, like I said, so you, you start with Thielen, and I thought when they brought him in, and I thought he was going to be the de facto number one, and he was, and his stats reflected that. Now, were you getting the dynamic play from him that you might have wanted from your number one? No, you did not. He proved to be one of the best slots in the NFL last year, and that was the extent uh, of his performance. I was never a huge fan of DJ Chalk, but walking like you, I, I thought we were going to get more out of him than what you did. So, uh, But that was a failure on their part. And so you had some games where he would appear, and you're like, okay, maybe he could start to wake up. And then you have games like Jacksonville where he drops three straight passes, and you're like, all right, well, this was a failure. Uh, Jonathan Mingo, you know, this is a huge year for him coming up. There's no question about it. You bring him in to be your future number one receiver, and maybe we're not having a conversation about trying to go out and find that mm-hmm. alpha dog receiver if Mingo has a better year or shows more promise than what he did. But for him, it was just like when you watched him play, there was nothing special about him. That was the thing. It was like when you watch, you see the college clips, he's catching with one hand on people, breaking tackles, looking like a baby T.O., D.K. Metcalf out here. Then he gets to Carolina, and he looks very pedestrian. After the catch, before the catch, during the catch, all of that. So uh, for the Panthers now, they just have to find playmakers for their quarterback and the receiving core. It just wasn't consistent enough when you go down the line with these guys. Terrace Marshall, it's official. I know as much as you, you know, hated to – you know, I know it hits you in the gut a little bit when you just really figured out that Terrence Marshall, you know, we this figured was the end of the road, baby. Or this year, yeah. <laughs> that was the yeah, end of the road, was, baby. That was some realization for me. But, but uh, I think, you know, if tough. you want to look to some more, a few silver linings, and I think when you look at the depth of this group going over or going into next season, I think ISM is a guy that looks like he can help you. He doesn't look like he's a guy that'll hurt you. He looks like a guy that if you use him the right way, he can be a tool in this offense. We saw Strawn come through with some catches late in the season. It looks like he could have some potential, not necessarily to be a top two to three guy, but he could be a depth piece there. So I think they have a couple of depth pieces they can work with. I think they have a true uh, slot in Adam Thielen. It looks like he has a season or two left at playing at a high level. And then Mingo, the jury is out uh, with him. They got to go out and find that guy this offseason. That's all there is to it. They have to have that go-to guy for Bryce Young to be able to find to be able to win those matchups one-on-one, catch those 50-50 balls, and everything that comes with that. The biggest surprise to me was DJ Chark just being a zero in the passing game. He had the wide-open, busted coverage touchdown against Seattle early on. It took a while, started to be featured a little bit more at the very end once Thomas Brown took over for the second time. And then... I think it was against Green Bay when he really helped Bryce Young. And then it was the next game where he had three drops in a row. Just could not connect to DJ Chark. And part of this is because Bryce Young wasn't throwing downfield because he didn't have enough time. I think Chark and maybe even Mingo were a couple of the guys that suffered the most from the offense just being so dysfunctional as a whole anyway. I think those guys really suffered, but they didn't help. Those guys weren't helping the offense become functional, even if I think they suffered from the lack of production and they just couldn't produce at all. So if we go to, all right, Adam Thielen, he was number one last year. Where should he fall on the pecking order next season, Wes? And how big of a contribution do you expect him to provide this team in 2024 going into 2025? Oh, I think he's definitely going to continue to contribute. And I think that he can be your number two. I think he's a fine number two if you want to go with that in a slot. Because if you come out next season, let's just say 
everything goes well. Amingo starts to develop. Maybe not a stud, but he becomes more serviceable for them, enough to where maybe you can start him as your second receiver, and you're fortunate enough to bring in a T. Higgins or Mike Evans. Then you have Adam Thielen sitting right there in that slot to take advantage of the middle of the field, be a pseudo tight end for maybe the production you don't get over the middle of the football field with the tight ends. So I think Thielen is right there where he needs to be. He goes over 100 catches. He's proved that he's he's proven that he's dependable. He's proven that he's going to go out. You know, he had over 100 receptions, and people could say, you know, what they like as far as, oh, you know, they weren't throwing to anybody else. But 103 receptions is 103 receptions is 103 receptions. So I think that I expect him to be very much a big contributor in this passing game next season. You just need somebody more dynamic. But Adam Thielen was useful in this offense. Yeah, like no, yeah, no shade for Adam Thielen because who else could you depend on in this game? Like it was Adam Thielen or it was really nobody else. And if anybody else contributed, then it was a surprise. If Adam Thielen didn't contribute, then it was a surprise, certainly with the start that he got off to at the beginning of the year. So how are the Panthers going to address this problem? Here was Brian Bassarge joining the Kyle Bailey show about that very question and whether the Panthers can still get that number one guy at 33 overall. If T. Higgins, for some reason, the Bengals let him hit the market, I don't think they will. I think they're in franchise tackle. But if he was somehow hit the market, they should back up the truck and just sign T. Higgins to be their number one receiver. How, with that being said, uh, if that is not the case, like I don't think it will be, they should look at somebody, and I think, uh, you know, going back to my mock draft today, I mocked him a Donnie Mitchell, the uh, wide receiver from Texas. I think he's a big-bodied guy with athletic upside, chance to be a number one wide receiver, great catch radius. I think he'd be a good target for Bryce Young because we've got to surround him with weapons. I'm not ready to give up on him just yet. What do you think about that idea? I know you would rather go offensive line, but if they can get somebody there at 33, one of the wide receivers, do you think that that would be something worth exploring, especially with the lack of depth they have at that position? Uh, if you have a game breaker, because this draft is looking like it's shaping up to be deep at the wide receiver position, if there's a guy you feel like can step in immediately and be a, a very productive player, then, yeah, I mean, you can go that route. You just you got to get it right this time because that's what you did in this last draft. You picked Jonathan Mingo over some guys that we saw get picked in later rounds that looked to be way more productive. I mean, a lot of people talk about C.J. Stroud, and we see that Tank Dell stepped right in and was able to look like uh, he did in college, frankly, and give you that type of production. So the Panthers, as I said, we still don't know if they've missed there. And, yeah, it is going to be interesting to see how the top of the free agent market for wide receivers is going to look because there's a big drop-off, really, after the top three or four. I mean, you look at PFF's rankings, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman Jr., Mike Evans, uh, and then you start going to the Marquise Browns, which I think there's a there's a drop-off. I mean, I've liked Hollywood a little bit, but to me, he's never yeah. played up to his – you know, his skill set, what it could be. And then you got the Calvin Ridleys and Darnell Moody's. And to me, those are guys that are B-level two receivers, not that number one guy. But it'll be intriguing to see if the guys at the top of the market end up reaching free agency. I mean, you would think that the Colts, especially with a rookie quarterback of their own, is going to try to do what they can to bring Michael Pittman back. Mike Evans, I mean, I, I saw there was a clip that was making the rounds uh, for Baker Mayfield. He was on some show on NFL Network, and they had a hot mic on him, and he was saying how you know he was coming back to Tampa and he was going to be bringing back some pieces with him. And I would think that one of those pieces would be Mike Evans. So 
we'll see if that ends up coming to fruition. But if he hits the free agent market, then you got to think Carolina's got to be right up there in the mix to sign a guy like that as much as he's spoken highly of Dave Canales. Let's go to the text line. 980 says Michael Strawn may have more upside than TMJ. He says he's the Oracle. Okay. He's the Oracle. He got a 50% drop rate, though. Michael Strawn does? Yeah. I mean, how many targets did he have? Probably not very many. So hopefully, yeah, 50% drop rate would be terrible if it was on real volume. So maybe Michael Strawn does have a lot of yeah, upside. Yeah, I mean, this is true. I mean, he had three targets. Okay. So that's, I don't even, how, do you, still, how I mean, do you even have a 50% drop rate with three <laughs> targets? Is that even possible? You only catch one. But uh, that's what they had. That's one third. I get it. That'd be 66% drive. It's getting worse. The more we explore this, it's getting worse. And I don't want to explore it any further. California Greg says love Thielen. But if he isn't the third option at 34 years old, then we are done. Why? Why does he have to be the third? He caught 103 passes. People act like you could just walk out of bed and catch 103 passes in the NFL with teams knowing you're the top passing option for a team. I do get where he's coming from a little bit. If he's third, I don't know if I'm going all caps, we're done. But I'd like for him to be, what, like two, maybe tied for the second option with another guy? I could could live with that. But I think in a world that if you start to get at least a – if you feel good enough about Mingo to where he's a starter next year, and let's say you you sign a T. Higgins or Mike Evans, you go Mike Evans, Jonathan Mingo, and Adam Thielen – then yeah, I, I think that's that's not bad. No, it's not. No, I I would gladly still take Thielen in the top three here. Seven oh four, we have some T Higgins text. Seven oh four says, why would you think T Higgins and Mike Evans would come here? Well, money's going to talk, so that's yep. one. How much money are you willing to give some of these guys? Because you could argue about where they're playing right now. T Higgins is in a great spot with Cincinnati. He's going to see a lot of balls thrown his way because Jamar Chase is on the opposite end, and you got to make sure you're covering that guy. And so T. Higgins, we've seen, be the beneficiary of that. But if T. Higgins is also expressing that he wants to get paid, and Cincinnati already has this many resources in Jamar Chase, they're paying Joe Burrow a lot, you got to fix the offensive line because you need the guy you invested a lot of money in to be healthy. T. Higgins is going to get franchise tagged, and then we'll see that get a little hairy, I would imagine. That's when Carolina swoops in. Come on home. <laughs> come on home, T. Higgins. That's why well, he would home come. Clemson. Kind of. Yeah, because yeah, he's a Tennessee kid. But... I, well, yeah, it's still like South. Just come down <laughs> South. Yeah, Below I mean, I yeah, because we talked about that yesterday, and the only thing that I think throws a real monkey wrench into that T. Higgins deal is that the money Joe Burrow's making, it's a very team-friendly contract. We talked about that yesterday. For the next three seasons, that deal tops out at 27.25 for a franchise quarterback of Joe Burrow's stature. That's a steal. And then we know when the numbers get bigger that they'll just put it in a bonus and make it lower. But as far as his base salary that we discovered that, you know, salary cap is based on base salary, not your cap hit. That that's a very team friendly deal for Joe Burrow, and so I think that allows them the flexibility, and I think that's the way he wanted it as well. That's why he had it structured that way so that he can keep his guys there. Yeah, Todd from Denver says, "Is T Higgins an actual number one though?" I actually think he is. I I was one of those people that was worried about separation from him, but he's a baller. I you've I seen mean, he him. He uses his body. Yeah, that, that's that's his separation. I mean, he can beat. A lot of guys, but if he's playing against a corner that's really sticking to him, you still got to do a deal with that six four body. And I believe he jumped at the combine like between thirty three and oh, thirty five, yeah. so T can get up, man. Yeah, he, he's especially when 
even if you don't get separation, you still see that guy win as often as he does. I, I do wonder, I guess, a little bit about the coverage he sees without Jamar Chase because Jamar Chase is a top three wide receiver in the league. And so maybe that's a question worth asking. You're going to be seeing a lot more attention if Adam Thielen is the other best option on the squad compared to Jamar Chase. It's a big old downfall. No disrespect to Thielen. I'd be disrespecting a lot of wide receivers if I said, uh, you know, if, if I'm talking about Jamar Chase being the comparison. But that would be interesting to see there. Uh, I do want to go to one other soundbite from Brian Bessarge on the Kyle Bailey show. He gave a couple of good soundbites there. We mentioned Jonathan Mingo. We'd love to see him improve quite a bit going into next season. But we also have a wide receiver we still want to draft at 33 overall. Don I. Mitchell, I believe I pronounced that correctly, out of Texas. You know, you've seen some guys there. Lad McConkey, people like. I know you like yes, Lad. That's my guy. I know it is. I know Coming it is. Coming into this draft. He's going to be this year's Tank Dell. <laughs> uh, Keon Coleman, who I also know is the exact opposite. Keon Coleman, you're not a big fan of yeah, him. Yeah, I don't think he'll be there, though. Um, I don't either, but he's falling because of athleticism. Be a first round bust. Um, Xavier Leggett, though, out of South Carolina. Somebody that's interesting there, too. We certainly know him well because of him playing for the Gamecocks. But Basarge on the Kyle Bailey show said he might be a little worried that Leggett is too similar to what Mingo provides already. I love Xavier Leggett, and I love what he was able to do this year. But, man, it's hard not to get Mingo vibes just because of the one year of production, and that's all he had at South Carolina, right? He was there for five years. He had one year of production. So that's very, very similar profile to Jonathan Mingo coming out of Ole Miss. Um, I think he's a better player than Mingo is because he, he also offers a lot of special teams versatility. Now, that being said, I don't think that's who the Panthers should look at it with the 33rd pick. I do think receivers on the board, but I think they need to go with the upside number one-ish type receiver. I'm fascinated by the 33 overall selection at wide receiver because, one, even though it lines up well for the Panthers because this draft is considered to be very deep at offensive line and also very deep at wide receiver. So that lines up well for this team that doesn't have a first-round pick, except they do have the very next selection after the first round is done. But, Wes, we've seen wide receivers start to contribute so early. And we've seen it really all throughout the last 20 years, but – at this time, like the frequency on these guys contributing right away is so high. Now we're starting to get to, well, it used to just be the first rounders and maybe, maybe the second rounders were contributing. Now you're getting third round breakouts, fourth round breakouts. We got a fifth round breakout in Pukunakua this season who looks like an absolute stud. So do you just keep trying until you hit? Like you and I have had this discussion before. How the Panthers, it doesn't seem to matter who is in their front office. DJ Moore was the last real wide receiver that it felt like you got a lot of work from. Curtis Samuel, too. Like, I I like Curtis, but they haven't hit on their wide receivers lately. And yet it still doesn't make me shy to take a swing at that position, even if it is at 33 and there might be an offensive lineman on the board. Yeah, I mean, at 33, when you check out just the top 10 guys alone, I mean, the First three names always stand out. Harrison, Neighbors, Adunze, you know, those are yeah. three guys that I feel like could come in and wreck shop. But then you start to get past that. I don't know that I see a number one. I think I see guys that are more situational players where you're bringing them in for different things like McConkie. That's the thing that would be interesting. We did see him play on the outside a lot at Georgia, though, and I think he's more than capable. He comes across to me like a slot 
And so you've already got your slot in Adam Thielen, but either he could be, you know, you could find ways to work him into the offense because both of those guys, Thielen can play on the outside, as could McConkie. Uh, so th- that would be interesting. But I don't know if I see a guy 33 based off the rankings of these receivers that I feel like the Panthers should just pounce on. But I think it's going to come down to you're wearing the options. Do you either have a starting level, very productive Offensive lineman sitting there or starting level wide receiver sitting there, and which way do you want to go? But free agency is going to play a huge part in that decision. If we go after Ladd McConkey and keep Adam Thielen, and those are our top two options, we're going to start to look a lot like the New England Patriots. <laughs> Bill Belichick is hey. going to be really mad that he was not the head coach of this he, team. He would be. And Dave Canales instead. Copy my job. style. <laughs> you are. He copied me bar for bar. <laughs> Bill Belichick going to be out here like Soldier Boy saying everybody stole his lyrics. That'll do it for the position preview. Talking about the wide receivers. Feel free to continue to send in your opinions on that discussion. Let's talk a little Super Bowl, shall we? Should the 49ers be the favorites in this game? We'll get all of the hot takes from 49er Wes Bryant on the other side at Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What you got, Fiddy? Oh! There you go. Oh, man. (laughs) The Toronto Raptors. They're trading Dennis Schroeder to the Nets for the man with maybe one of the best Afros in the modern NBA, Spencer Dinwiddie. Weird for Toronto. Well, he's been traded more times than... Oh, it's a family show. Where, where, what else is traded a lot? Where were you going, Wes? I don't want to. I guess I don't want to explore it any further. Well, it was by design. I wasn't going to reveal the okay. end of that sentence. I just said it just to get a laugh out of you guys. Okay, I will. Schroeder has been traded a lot. He has. Schroeder has been. I thought you were talking about honestly Spencer Dinwiddie too. Spencer Dinwiddie has been traded a decent amount. So both of these guys get traded for one another. Don't really know what Toronto's doing with that deal. Because yeah, they made a couple of moves, and I'm like, what are y'all doing? If they're settling or if they're trading for Dinwiddie, maybe Schroeder just wanted to be gone hey, from them. Free I'm not RJ, sure. free uh, free quickly, man. Just build around those two burgeoning superstars. The Knicks have been balling with Ananobi. Well, he's been out, but yes. But when he was playing for them, it was the biggest defensive turnaround statistically the NBA has ever seen in a month's stretch. Ridiculous. They were allowing 120 points per 100 possessions, something like that. Yeah. And then that went to 100 with OG. Like, it was hey, like Bulls Tibbs. It was, it's crazy. It's, it, it goes to show you, man. RJ Barrett for OG Ananobi. RJ's balling in Toronto, too. I, he's playing well. And Emmanuel quickly was coveted. But necessary move, especially for Tibbs style ball. And you also get Bogdanovich. 
I know you lose Quentin Grimes, Fitty, but how is Nick's Fitty feeling today after a couple moves they made? You know, look, um, you, you, you sold me on the Ananobi deal because I was like, we didn't want to give up R.J. Barrett for Donovan Mitchell, but we give him up for OG Ananobi. Then they become the team that they became in the last month. And then they went and made two moves today to add scoring. Yeah. You I, know, whether I in like the it. starting lineup or, or you, the East is open, man, with, with, with Embiid hurt. No one trusts Cleveland in the postseason. And Boston, like, they were a fractured team in the playoffs last year. The Eastern Conference Finals, I think, are is this team ceiling and this and these the moves they've made have highlighted that. The conference championships are going to be a lot of fun, just like they were in the NFL. We see Kansas City, we see San Francisco represent each conference in the Super Bowl. San Fran two point favorites. I teased going into this break, Wes, if San Francisco deserves to be the favorites in this game. Sam Farber, also San Fran fan, he texts me and says, "Hell yeah, they should." <laughs> I texted him hey, back. What, and said, what's your you language West. there, Sam? It is. It <laughs> it's is a, a family, family program. Uh, Wes reminded that us that. That tells you how fired up my man is right now. I know you're fired up too. Um, all right, try to put the objective hat on, right? No, for sure, try always to. unbiased. Try to as much as you can. For sure. Should San Francisco be a two-point favorite? Does that make sense to you? Well, I hear a lot of people saying, you know, the Mahomes factor and things of that nature, and they don't know why the 49ers would be uh, the favorite in this game. I mean, they were the better team the entire regular season, so I could see why San Francisco would be installed as the favorite. They've been a Super Bowl favorite since the start of the season, along with the Chiefs. We've just seen each team take different journeys. I mean, the 49ers, for the most part, outside of the Ravens game and in the, the losing streak that they had, you know, pretty much ran through a lot of good teams this year. And I think they said, I saw a stat, something about beating the most. Uh, it was something about the amount of really good teams that they beat. And I can't remember if it was 10-plus win teams or what it was. But, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll say that going into the football game. I get the Mahomes factor, and I know that that offense has uh, woken up. But they did struggle in the second half against the Ravens. And some of the issues that they had throughout the regular season kind of showed up in that game. I mean, this is a team that just lost on Christmas Day to the Raiders, but none of that matters anymore, man. It's the Super Bowl, and the odds are the odds, man. Who cares? Like I said, at the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes deserves respect. The Chiefs deserve respect. It's going to be a tough game. It don't matter who the favorite is. No, I'm I'm not going to throw hate in, or shade your way. Like, San Francisco being a two-point favorite makes sense. Kansas, you're right. They were better in the regular season. I do think with Pat Mahomes, it throws everything off. When you're talking about that guy, if you wanted to have Kansas City as the favorite, I would understand that also. But if you're going with Sam Fran, who has the better collection of players, certainly offensively. I mean, this is a team in Kansas City that has a better interior offensive line. But now, especially with Tooney possibly being out for them, monster deal. The tackles are just okay. They used to have a pretty good one when they go after Orlando Brown and then he goes to Cincinnati and so now you're like, okay, the tackles are fine. Jawan Taylor gets accused of cheating every single game. <laughs> we saw that in the first contest against the Detroit Lions. But the offensive line, only interior strength. Tackles are fine enough. And then you get to the skill positions. Travis Kelsey's been balling in the postseason, but regular season, people are asking if he was starting to get older. He did. We man. certainly he saw a step that. Slow in the regular season. Not in the postseason, but it's like, is this the time where it shows up again? Like, that's a fair question. Pat Mahomes has been just a freaking Terminator in this postseason. I, the numbers aren't crazy, but they're running the ball. I don't think they trust their wide receivers as much. And if we wanted to like look at the strengths and the weaknesses of this team. I look at the wide receivers even still being the biggest weakness for Kansas City. 
the defense, they can get run on, and I'm interested to see what Christian McCaffrey does against that front because Kansas City is a better uh, pass-rushing unit up front than they are a run-stopping unit. So I expect San Fran to run the football a lot. I fully expect that, and I expect them to have uh, a lot of success. That would be dumb, right? Like, we've accused Kyle Shanahan of not running enough in the postseason. If he doesn't do it in this game and then San Fran loses – it's going to be the biggest criticism surrounding him that he just can't shake. But if they win and, or even if they lose and Chris McCaffrey's running a lot, right? Like you get the idea. I'm just saying if that happens, but I think that's the biggest weakness. It's for Kansas city. At least it's the wide receivers where you can trust rice. MVS has been playing better here lately. I don't know if I'm just going to say, Oh, okay. Yeah. You can trust him now. And it's, Kansas City's run uh, rushing defense. Like, I think that's something the 49ers can look to exploit. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we're talking weaknesses, right? Because we I, are. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, the weakness for me, too, you, you got to watch out for that Kansas City offensive line because their tackles aren't quite what they've been in the past, right. as you stated. But Joe Tooney not being in the middle of that defense with Creed Humphrey, uh, that's a really good duo in the middle of that defense. And for them to be gone and you got to deal with the Eric Armstead and uh, Javon Hargrave in that middle of that defense, that could be uh, problematic. And then also, too, you're talking about a wide receiver unit that led the the NFL in drops as a whole this year. And we'll but Canarius Tony says he's a one. Right. And we'll see if that comes <laughs> back to bite them uh, in this game. But when you look at it from the 49ers side, listen, man, I'm, I'm going to always be objective about the team. And that, that defense has not been playing up to the standard uh, for a while now. And so that's the thing. We know Steve Wilkes called them out. Uh, there's rumors that Chase Young could be benched, especially with the effort that he was giving up against the Lions. We we saw the run that everybody pointed out with him missing that tackle. We've seen him getting steamrolled on on other runs in that game. Man, it's just not good enough. And hopefully Cleveland Fair will be back for this matchup. But uh, I like the fact that Bosa starting to get a little hot, had a couple of sacks in the NFC Championship game. But that defensive line hasn't performed up to snuff. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has the time that some of these other quarterbacks have had in some of these games. It, it could be scary because uh, Hargrave hasn't shown up. Armstead doesn't look to be the guy that he's been so far. He, he's been he's been all right, but not that guy that you expect. But the 49ers defense on each level has been disappointing. Even Fred Warner, as great as he is, all pro. In that Detroit game and even in the Green Bay game, you saw a lot of mistakes from him, overrunning plays, misdiagnosing things as well. So the 49ers defense has a lot of work to do. But fortunately, they've had two weeks uh, to clean this thing up. And and even still with Brock Purdy, we know, uh, you know what he's done. We pointed out all those things yesterday, but he can't put the ball in harm's way. Uh, like that, we've seen games where uh, almost interceptions happen, and I get a lot of quarterbacks. You're gonna throw probably one or two of those in a game, and hopefully you're fortunate enough where it doesn't go against you. But he can't get into one of those modes where he could put the ball in a position to where it could really hurt the Niners in their chance. Does he have another magical second half in him? Because do you feel as comfortable with him doing? what he did the first two games. Can you do another bad first half? Good time now is to make plays. I'm going to go make plays again. Or do you worry too much about like, cause you're going against Jared Goff and Jordan love in the first two games. And now like I can see those guys not getting it done against Brock Purdy who turns on the charm in the second half and balls out. Like he went out there and he won it. Pat Mahomes can also do that. And so now can you afford that type of game? And going back to the 49ers defense, it's really been the run defense too, more so in my opinion. Right. So the last couple of games, they've not been good. 
Coming in, they're ranked 15 in DVOA in the entire NFL in rushing defense, which is the advanced metrics. You start to like, because they're third overall in allowing rushing yards per game, but San Fran's always up. So, like, when you're always up, of course the opposition isn't going to run the football because they got to catch up, especially with the way the 49ers can score points in a hurry. And so you just look at how effective teams are. 15 isn't awful. It's just not elite. It's just not great. It's just an average run-stopping unit. And then Chase Young being out there looking as bad as he has against the run, those are going to be the interesting matchups. And one more thing I was going to add, too, is just that uh – the the Chiefs, though, it's kind of the same thing with them, though. They had a good first half against the Ravens and a poor offensive second half. Uh, the defense stepped up for them, so they kind of had that, too. And just real quick, wanted to throw in that, not the breaking news sounder, but uh, Chad Ochocinco looks like he's going to have a uh, job with the Raiders, uh, being an assistant wide receivers coach. So I thought that was an interesting move, seeing some of these great ex-players from the past jumping into the coaching world. Are you laughing, Fiddy, back there, because you want him to be the dietitian for that team as badly as I do? <laughs> and and Ocho in Vegas, what could go wrong? I love Ocho on social media. Ocho <laughs> is so good. I love Ocho Cinco, and I desperately want him to be the nutritionist for the Raiders. He's going to have those guys eating, eating McDonald's, McDonald's all the time. Hey guys, let's eat some McDonald's. He's going to put some people on that. He's going to. Well, I mean, how do you argue with his diet and his success? The Raiders are going to be. They're going to be throwing up out there on the field. It's going to be a bunch of Big Macs out there on the football field. (laughs) That'll do it for some Super Bowl breakdown. We have another day to go. We have the whole show to go as well. Oh, it can't get hit fast enough. Plenty more NBA trade updates to get through. Also, on the other side of the break, though, which the campus corner, Florida State dismisses their lawsuit against the ACC. Is the ACC safe now? Do we have our conference Rejoice! back? Rejoice! We'll talk about it on the other side. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.